Chapter 1 The restaurant around me is dimly lit, shadows of strangers dancing on the walls from the candlelight of each table. In front of me, a flickering flame illuminates the face of my wife of six years, her long, light brown hair shimmering a golden blonde. I can see the fire dancing in the reflection of her glasses. Through the glare, I can still make out her light brown eyes perusing the menu. After taking in her unique beauty for a moment or so, our waiter approaches. My glance stays trained to her face. She looks up at me and smirks, and I return her smile with my own. Without breaking the visual link, I order the steak. She orders the fish. She cuts off a piece of the grilled salmon and places it between her soft, shimmering lips without looking down. Her stare makes me feel warm inside, a warmth I haven't felt in a while. At last I speak. Caroline, why did you leave me? We were so happy together, or so I thought. What was it that I couldn't give you? What was it that Charles could provide that I was lacking? As I say this, I don't get uncomfortable or upset. I'm no less soothed by her glowing beauty as I was with her first bite. I sit waiting for a reply. She cuts herself another slice of the lemon-seasoned fish, and as her lips part to accept the morsel, she lets out a light air with two words. You are late. In with the fish. Suddenly I realize that she is absolutely right. I should be at work right now. What am I doing in a restaurant eating lunch with a woman I haven't seen in over five months? I don't even get lunch breaks at work. I mean, I do, but not outside of the building. They built us a large cafeteria for a reason, and it wasn't for tourists. Now realizing that I have made the mistake of putting my job at risk to see the very woman who crushed my heart, my hopes, my very being, I leap from the table and make for the door. The door leads out to a long hallway lit by neon lights that glow with a blue persuasion. I trudge ahead towards my office, knowing that it is the second door on the left, down the hall, and the last door on the right. As I swing open the second door, I see the hallway description sign. I can't make it out as I whiz by it, but I know it reads Protech Financing and Bookkeeping. How I got myself into this job of punching numbers for a major testing facility is beyond me. Other than the fact that it pays exceptionally well, there really is no reason why I have worked here for so long. I don't even enjoy sitting at a desk, filing papers and checking digits with values I know nothing about. I don't even get to wear a cool lab coat like most of the workers in my building. I run for my office door, but the faster I try to run, the heavier my feet become. The boring doorknob that leads to my boring door that leads to my boring office seems to draw farther and farther away. I can see myself reaching out, stretching my arm to an unimaginable length to catch the knob in my hand. Just as I try to turn the knob, I am frozen at the sound of my division manager's voice. Francis, you are late. I hate being called Francis. I have no clue why she can't call me Frank like everybody else. I turn to glimpse into her office door placed oh so conveniently across the hall from mine. Her office is dimly lit and I can't see her office desk or her perched behind it from where I am standing. Come in here, Francis. We need to talk. As I make my way into her cave, my feet now feel light as ever. Inside, I can see her situated on her towering black leather chair, leaning forward and resting her chin on her clenched hands, with both elbows planted on her dark oak desktop. Also resting on her desktop are her large perky breasts, which are kept from bursting out of her suit coat by a black tank top. These instruments of persuasion were paid for with her first raise and later helped her to earn her seat of power which she now holds. This by no means suggests her intelligence lacking, for it was her very wits that deduced her spherical investments would help her to sway the sexist board members who think that women shouldn't hold any office of importance.
Her face is illuminated by the grim colors of the glass desk lamp hovering over her work area, the shards highlighting every mark of age on her face. Through the wrinkles around her squinting eyes and the creases of her brow, I can almost see her younger self. She still has a distinctive beauty to her, although it wasn't shining through in this light. You have been late for the last time, Francis, she says with a scowl. You need to learn to be more responsible. Buy a watch or something, and for God's sakes, put some pants on. I look down to note that she was referring to the lack of garments below my waist. All that is keeping my twig and berries from being exposed to the outside world is a pair of plain white boxers. All of a sudden it hits me. This is all just a dream. Normally at this point most people would wake up from their alternate reality and say, Wow, that sure was weird. But not I. I am one of the lucky few who can continue in my dreams and at times even bend the reality to my will. I pinch my arm to be certain. A numb bubble resonates at my mark and then sinks back into my arm. Of course, I know what I must do in this situation. You know, Miss Fatillo, I think that the reason I'm not punctual is because I don't have enough motivation to come to work. Is that so, Frankie? She asks as she slides back into her leathery throne and begins to unbutton her suit coat. It most certainly is. I look down at my white cotton boxers and notice that they are torn, the brains of this operation now making a full-blown appearance. I look up again to see my once superior, now the tool of my pleasure, kneeling on her desk. Her bottom lip is half-clenched in her teeth. She grabs me with great force and flips me under the desk, my back now pressed against the well-polished wood. She places a knee on each side of my hips and leans forward. I can feel her synthetic bosom press up against my chest and her hair tickle my face as her soft lips press against mine. Our lips seem to meld together and then slide back to their prospective faces. As she leans back, I grab her tank top and tear it off of her like wrapping paper on Christmas morning. Two gorgeous gifts leap towards me and then succumb to gravity with an aftershock of a mesmerizing jiggle. Not able to resist, I give them a little squeeze and tease. Sweet Jesus, someone deserves a promotion, she gasps. Lurching forward with her groans of pleasure, I can feel her body quivering over mine. Then she sits up straight and grabs my soldier at attention with one hand as she pulls her thong to the side with the other. As she slides the cadet into the warmth of his thermal sleeping bag, I can feel him settling in, getting snug and cozy. A radio show ensues before me, starting with the rocking and swaying of a slow prance and then escalating into a gallop. She rides me faster and harder, me a prize stallion she is taking around the track to the finish line. Her eye on the prize, she moans and wails above me, punching forward now with a hand on my chest for support. An exhilarating rush starts at the top of my head, another at the tips of my toes, and they work their way towards each other. As the two sensations head for a collision course, they snowball, doubling in speed and intensity with every inch they move. After what could have been hours or only seconds, these two extreme forces collide head-on with my groin with a gigantic explosion.